in our series, More Than Words, and we've been talking about, we started with talking about love and what that really means and how Jesus is love, obviously, but we talked about the love that he left us in the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit uh, it's to rewrite the injustice and the unrighteousness and, and to allow the Holy Spirit to bring convic- conviction to others who are in sin. It's not our job to condemn people. It's not our job to judge people. That's what the, that's what the church used to think, really. We're trying to break that whole mold because we're here to love people and let the love of Jesus the Holy, and the Holy Spirit flow through us and let that bring the conviction necessary so that God can do the changing work in the heart. And it's an inward thing and not an outward thing. So all we have to do is love. We're just called to love. Let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. Then we talked about victory. That was Resurrection Sunday. We talked about victory and the victory that we have already. We're not, we have all authority because Jesus has given us all authority. We just have to apply his word into life situations. We have authority. We have victory over sin, we have victory over the darkness of this world, and we have the victory so that, one, we can go in, and where injustice is, we can bring justice. And that, too, is through love flowing through us are we bringing justice into this world, okay? Can you check the AC and see if it's at 70, please? It, it gets warm up here. And then last week, we talked about bread. We talked about bread, and, and you think, well, man, I was really hungry. I'm glad we talked about bread because I've been fasting or whatever the case may be. And we talked about how Jesus, or how God actually gave bread from heaven, manna from heaven, when the, when the Egyptians, I'm sorry, when the Israelites were in, were in the wilderness. They had come out of Egypt, they had come out of bondage, and so God was feeding them manna from heaven. But Jesus said, he gave you manna, but he didn't give you, he gave you bread, but he didn't give you the bread from heaven. He gave you bread, yes, but he gave you, he gave you a natural substance, but he didn't give you the bread from heaven. And then he went on and said, I am the bread of heaven. And then we talked about how Jesus said to, you had to eat my flesh if you're going to continue. And then the many disciples walked away and the other, the 12 disciples said, where are we going to go? Because you're the only one that has words that are eternal life. And then he says, hey, listen, it's not about my flesh. It's not about bread. I am the Word. Jesus is the Word. John says that, and the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And so, guys, don't, don't, you don't have to eat Jesus, <laughs> but you need to get in the Word, because that's where Jesus is. He's, he's in His Word. So, now we're talking about going into this week is water. And I want you to see how water, how Word, I'm sorry, the Word, bread, and water, they are nourishment. Think about this. How long can you go without eating. Experts say about 40 to 80 days. That's the max without eating. How long can you go without drinking water? Experts say about 4 to 14 days. Your body can't handle any, any longer than that. It starts to malfunction. Stuff starts to mess up. I can, I can tell you right now, I, I can't even think throughout the day if I'm not drinking a lot of water through, through about 2 to 5, 6 p.m. I've got to be drinking a lot of water because I'm burning a lot of energy, a lot of thought process, but also a lot of physical energy, and it just dehydrates you. So we, we need a lot of water. Amen. <laughs> we need a lot of water, right? We, we saw some, I've seen some effects of dehydration, and you will end up in the emergency room. And, if, and if, the, if the Bible is our spiritual nourishment, and those things, food and water, are our natural nourishment, how long can we go without having taken our spiritual bread, and water. Yeah. And that's often what we do 
we make this the last thing. And I know we're, I know we're saved by the Spirit and we're sealed by the Spirit. I know that. But I believe, too, there are many, many, malnour- many Christians who are malnourished because they're not eating bread and drinking the water. And we're talking about spiritual things here. We're trying to bring, I'm trying to help you see throughout Scripture, there's many natural things, but it's really talking about spiritual things that are going on. So I want you to know why we need to begin to see with our spiritual eyes, even looking at this natural world. And I hope I can do a good job of bringing this to you today. And my efforts today are trying to bring you some great content, really, some great content that challenges your thoughts, challenges your your spiritual life. And my hope is even, uh, if you will, go on to Facebook after the second service and share this message because it will be on Facebook. Share it so your friends can see. Invite one person. Tell, tell one person about Thrive Community Church and say, here's what God is doing at Thrive Community Church. That's, I'm working hard to bring you content, and my ask is if, if you'll just do those things for me, that will benefit everybody around you as well. So I'd really like for you to open your Bibles if you have them, and if you don't, I'd like for you to take notes because there's some interesting things. You've been reading a lot of scriptures You've been reading, reading a lot of scriptures, but I think you're going to see some things that you've never seen. I will have the scriptures on the, on the screen just in case, but we're going to, and we are going to move fast. But I want you to be able to see the truth in your, in your word because you're, that's the word you're used to reading. And I want to bring back to us where we were last week. Remember, Jesus is the bread, the bread of heaven. The bread is Jesus, and Jesus is the word. And that's where he was trying to get us to go and the reason that God humbled the, the Israelites in the wilderness is so that they would focus in on his bread. But it was a great vast, it's a vast gap that he would show, here's the bread that I really mean. And we're going to break into this even more. But I want to show you, too, how God ties bread and water together. In Psalms 105.40, Psalms 105.40, he says, The people asked, and he brought quail. And satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock and water gushed out. It ran in the dry places like a river. Is it possible that rock has a spiritual meaning? And is it possible that water has a spiritual meaning? Now we know Hebrews right now are in a natural world in the wilderness and they are, re- they are depending on God as their resource and to resource them. In fact, the only reason he brought them quail is because they were complaining about the bread, the manna. And so he said, I'm going to give you so much meat that you can't stand it. It's going to run out of your nostrils and make you nauseous. And sometimes God allows us so much provision because we're so concerned about the outward things so that we'll be so disgusted by the outward things so that we'll finally focus on the inward things. And that's exactly what he was teaching them right there in the wilderness. And then he gave them a rock and opened it up. Water gushed out of it. And look at this. It ran in the dry places like a river. Have you ever had a dry place in your life and you just felt, man, I just need some nourishment. I need, to, I need a little bit of hydration in areas of my life. I am dry. I'm in a dry season. But this is even going to sound even more strange because Scripture tells us that the rock followed them throughout the desert. Scripture literally says that this rock followed. That can you imagine a rock sitting there following you? Like you're, that would freak me. I mean, that would mess me up right there. And that's why there's things in Scripture, and whenever we get to them, we can't let them hang us up, and we just stop and say, "I don't get it." 
I'm just going to walk away. Or I'm going to wait till somebody feeds me. We have to dive in even further because, yes, there are things that we don't understand in Scripture, but that's exactly what makes God God. This is, this, scripture is a spiritual book written by a spiritual being to spiritual beings. And you're going you're gonna to see why that is, and this book can only be spiritually discerned. The natural eyes won't understand this. So whenever we're reading it and we don't get it, we've got to get out of the natural and say, Okay, Lord, I'm not, I'm not getting something. I need your Holy Spirit to light this up so that I can get the revelation because you mean something in here. My natu- I'm in the natural right now, and I need, to get, I need you to get me into the spiritual. But that would scare me to death, a rock following me around. <laughs> But I promise you, if you ever get into this book and you start discerning the deep spiritual things in it and you allow God to begin to highlight its truths, you will not want to put this thing down. And that's my whole purpose in this series is to get you to actually pick up your Bible and start to read it. And and, and let's just let's face it. You're Christians. Sooner or later, you're going to have to read it. (laughs) So so go ahead and start. Like, don't wait until problems hit and say, okay, I need an answer for my problem. Go into it and understanding, hey, if everything ever happens, here would be the answer to my problem. Right? So we're going into battle prepared. It reminds me of a dream before I went into ministry and God was calling me. I was always going into boot camp, but all, all I had was underwear. I was not ready. I had this dream probably six times until finally I got a uniform the day that God, God actually uh, ordained me into ministry. Such, such a unique experience. But I gotta, we got to pay attention. So we have, we have that he opened the rock and water gushed out. But then we have this New Testament scripture. And it says, and I want you to see water has a spiritual meaning and rock has a spiritual meaning. Look at this in 1 Corinthians 10.4. And it says, and all. And all drank the same, what? Spiritual drink. For they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Isn't that good? Does your Bible say that? 1 Corinthians 10.4? So, in the Old Testament... Psalms 105.40, he's talking about God opened a rock, which they drank from, and then that rock followed them throughout the desert like a river. It poured out like a river, and then New Testament says, wait a minute, let me tell you what that bread really is, what that rock water really is, and what that rock really is. The scripture before this actually explains the bread, what we talked about last week. But then it says, all that was, that rock following them through the, through the, through the uh, wilderness, All that was was a picture of Jesus saying one day he's going to be your rock. He's going to be your water. He's going to be what provides. He's going to be your nourishment and he's going to be following you around. And by the way, they were led by a fire at night and a a cloud by day. And that is the Holy Spirit. Wow. That that is a spiritual book that can only be discerned by spiritual beings because it's from a spiritual author. And if we're in the natural, we can't see these things. So we've got to get down, we've got to get into the Spirit a little bit. And let me tell you what's going on in your life today everywhere. There is a war on words. There is a war on words. S- Satan is, trying, is speaking his words. He's trying to twist your words. But then God is speaking his words. Right? God is speaking his words. Satan asks, 
did God really say that? God gives you a word and Satan says, did God, did, did God really say that? Is that what it really means? You, you're not, no, that's just a natural thing. Satan's trying to convince you that what you're seeing is always going to be natural. There, there's no spiritual things behind that. There's no spiritual root to growth in that. It's just natural. Put it down. Don't even, don't even pick it up. You can't understand that. Satan is constantly trying to get us from the Word of God so that he can persuade us. And let me show you how that looks. It comes down to, in the midst of all that, who are you going to believe? Who are you going to believe? Who are you going to believe? Here's where, here's where we're going. Satan wants to flood us. He wants to famish us. And Jesus wants to fill us. That's our three points. If that's all you wanted, you can go home now. You're good to go. He wants to, Satan wants to flood us. Satan wants to famish, famish us. But Jesus wants to fill us up. Number one, Satan, Satan tries to flood us. I'm going to lay a foundation so we can find a place of agreement right now, okay? Revelation 12, 9. If you agree with me, great. If you don't, raise your hand. Uh, so, the great, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan. He, uh, sorry, who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Okay, there's a type in here and it points to a spiritual meaning. So there's a serpent and a dragon. Everybody see that? Serpent and a dragon. But they said the serpent and the dragon is actually Satan. Now Satan is a spiritual serpent and dragon are natural. Can you see the correlation that we're trying to... Do y'all believe that the serpent is Satan? Okay, if you don't, let me know. I'll be glad to, glad to help you with that. Now I'm going to show you another type uh, to show you. Here's a, here's, a, here's a type of the next scripture is a woman. And the woman is a type of the church. It's a type, it's a, it's a natural emblem, it's a natural symbol that points to a spiritual being, a spiritual existence. Woman is the church. Revelation 12, 15 says, So the serpent, remember that's Satan, spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. You're going to see Genesis like you've never seen it through Revelation. So when the serpent, Satan, spoke to the woman, the church, the first Adam, who is now the second Adam, is Jesus. Adam couldn't, he couldn't stand up. He couldn't guide the church. But the second Jesus can, the second Adam can. Just hold on to that. So what comes out of your mouth? Words. Words come out of your mouth. But it says Satan spews water or words. Notice the symbol. The symbol is water of, of what the spiritual is, words. He spits them out, out of his mouth to the church to cause you to be carried away. Wow. The serpent, Satan, is spewing water, words, at you because you're the church and he's causing you to be carried away. Wow. Have you ever had a flood of words that come out at you? Yes. You're too old. Uh, your family died early, so you are too. Your dad died early death. You're going to die. You're, you're going to have cancer too. Ever, any, ever had those words? Your marriage, it'll never work. I don't even know why you're trying. Not going to work. You're, you'll never amount to anything. How about this? Tithing, that doesn't work. Tithing doesn't work. How about this one? You're crazy. If you're, you're going to believe that, you're crazy. I've heard that. That's been a flood of words that have come towards me. How about so water equals words? Can we see that? He spews water, which is words, to, to, to try to divert the woman, which is actually the church, 
So he's speaking at us, trying to get us confused. Psalm 69, 1, 2. This is David writing Old Testament, save me. Psalm 69, 1 and 2. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink deep, I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. He's not talking about a natural thing. David is sitting there telling us about spiritual things that are going on. Here's another flood of a lie. How about this one? God is punishing you for your sin. That is theologically impossible. That is theologically impossible. Now, there may be consequences to your situation. There may be consequences uh, for the circumstance, but God will never punish you for your sin because He's already punished Jesus for your sin, and God cannot punish two people for one sin. You get it? So that is a completely a lie from Satan that you are being punished for any sin. There may be circumstances that you have to walk out now because of some decisions, but God's not punishing you. He's growing you. What Satan meant for evil, God is meaning for good because it's that very thing that God is going to use to develop your life, to develop your life, to send you into the ministry, the purpose that he's called you to. So hallelujah for trials. Uh, Psalm 69, 14, later on in this, says, Deliver me out of the mire and let me not sink. Let me be, let me be delivered from those who hate me and out of the deep waters. Let not the flood water overflow me. Nor let the deep swallow me up, and let not the pit, that's hell itself, shut its mouth on me. This is, this is David. He's seeing it. He's seeing it. He's saying, hey, don't let this water, don't let these words, these lies. He, he, he fought the battles too. Psalms 93.3 says, the floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. So they can talk. Those waters can talk. The floods lift up their waves. But get this. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, than the mighty waves of the sea. David is understanding, hey, I just got to go to the Lord with this. Yes, there's a bunch of lies being spoken. Yes, there's a bunch of words being spoken. Yes, it feels like I'm going under, but I'm going to go to the Lord. I'm going to take all this to the Lord, and that's where I'm going to make my decisions out of. God can talk. Satan can talk. But there's another, because you can talk. God can talk. Satan can talk. You can talk. Let me, let me ask you this way. Have you, has your mouth ever gotten you in trouble? <laughs> I'm going to take that as a yes. So, so there's deep waters or floods, and that means words. That's actually deep waters and floods. Those are Satan wor Satan's words in Scripture. But then there's also the Word of God is a fountain. The Word of God is a fountain, and Jesus says that he is the water of life. Now those are God's words. Both, both are types of water, but they, and they both represent words, but one is a flood and deep water, Satan, a fountain and living water, that's Jesus. Anytime you see a river or a flow or a bubbling brook, a bubbling brook that's Jesus. That's life right there. But your words, your words are, also, are, are words also. They're, they're water also, and they can drown you. The words we grab a hold of, and we begin to speak over ourselves. Maybe it's internally. Maybe it's not even externally. But there's an internal conversation that you're having with yourself very often. And those words, those very words, they can flood you also. Look at this. Proverbs 18.4 says, The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. So you can talk yourself into falling. But then there's an adverse. The wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. That's Jesus. The, water, the word of God. Wisdom. Wellspring of wisdom. Proverbs 6, 6 and 2 says, you are snared by the words of your mouth, you are taken by the words 
of your mouth, snared and taken by your own words. This doesn't even have anything to do with Satan. Not yet. This is our own words that we're speaking. This is our own internal thoughts. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Whew, that's strong right there. God speaks words of life. Satan speaks words of death. And I've got the power to decide who I'm going to agree with. And when I speak it, it tells agreement. Wow. Wow. And you can't put those words back in. Once they're out, they're out. And I can agree that with the one who speaks life over me, or I can just agree with the one who speaks death over me. But I have the power in either direction. Whenever I agree with one or the other, that's what I'm giving life to. And it might be death, but I'm giving life to it. I'm giving air to it. I'm putting it out there. There's only one thing. I'm sorry, the Bible is water, but you better keep a, keep a lookout for the floods. The Bible's water, but the floods are coming. And there's only one thing that can help you. Isaiah 59, 19 says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun when the enemy comes in like a flood. The Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. And let me tell you, the Word of God is the standard and the day we start seeing this as a literary writing like Shakespeare then we get to decide what we're going to believe. And then when we do that, we're saying, I'm God. Wow. I'm God. I decide what's true. I decide what's right. I decide what I'm going to believe. And I decide what's going to happen around me. We put ourselves in the place of God's throne, and he's going to, he's going to tear it down every time. The Bible is our standard. Even Jesus, who Scripture says has been tempted in every way. Scripture says that he's been tempted in every way, but did not sin. He left as an example. And if Jesus had to use the Word of God to overcome temptation, how much more do we have to? It is written, he said. It is written, he said. It is written. Jesus, who is the Scripture, had to use the Scripture to overcome temptation. That was the example that he gave us. So please. Getting this word right here. If the Son of God used it, how much more do we? So Satan tries to flood us. Satan tries to, number two, Satan tries to famish us. Look at this in Amos 8.11. says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not, of a, not a famine of bread, not a famine of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Wow. Man. All, all throughout Scripture, there are two conversations going on. Every time you're reading Scripture, there's a natural conversation, there's a spiritual conversation. You've you, you got to decide which one you're looking for. Most people never spend enough time with Jesus to even begin to see the spiritual conversation. They stay up here on the surface, stay up on the natural, and we're wondering, why is this thing not changing my life? I'm going I'm to teach you how to get in there. I'm going to teach you how to get it in you. I'm going to show you. Throughout this, I'm showing you. Amos spoke by inspiration of God, declaring he was going to send a spiritual famine. I'm not talking about the natural. He's actually saying, I'm not going to send one of bread and of water, but of hearing the words of... Notice that he said, of hearing the words of God. God is always speaking. He didn't say that he's going to shut up his mouth and he's not going to speak anymore. He said he's going to send a famine of hearing the word of God. The words of God were still flowing out. The key in this is, 
We, we, as believers, are not leaning in. We're not meditating. We're not resting in the presence of God so that we can hear the Word of God. We're in a famine because we're just busy walking around, working around, doing the do, and we're not slowing down to hear what He's saying about what we do. So many of us are living even now in a famine of hearing the Word of God in the midst of Him constantly speaking words of life into us, but we're not grasping them. And so we're struggling because we're living, we're choosing famine in the midst of all of this. Psalms 113 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, the word of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Man. We talked about Joshua 1.8 and says that, that meditate on the word of the Lord, the law of the Lord, day and night, and be careful to observe and apply all of its ways so that in every way you shall prosper. Same thing right here, so that in every way you shall prosper. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden a bunch of money is going to just start getting thrown at you. Oh man, now that I meditate on the word, I'm just going to get a bunch, this big prosperity thing. But prosper in the Bible means this. You, are, you have a burden that you're carrying, and maybe it feels like you're pushing it uphill. But in this definition, it means that God is going to bring someone alongside of you, or God himself is going to come alongside you, and he's going to help you with the burden of life, no matter what it is. Or the other definition is he's literally going to come, and he's going to take the burden off of you so that you can tell, wow, you feel there's prosperity, there's growth, there's development. Now you're no longer carrying a burden. God is carrying that burden for you. And when that happens, blessings begin to flow. Whatever he does prospers. When we meditate on the word of God, my marriage prospers. My children prosper. My family prospers. My finances prosper. My health prospers my emotions prosper we need some people to get on the meditating on the word right there <laughs> my career prospers my ministry prospers all i have to do is meditate on the word of god and apply it to my soul and every decision that i make and live from that god can't help but to bless his word he can't help but to bless his word that's when kingdom principles get pushed into the natural if we believe that if we believe that we would, if we meditated on the word day and night, that everything that we did would prosper, let me tell you, our habits would change. And when our habits would change, we would change the world around us. That's the process right there, and it's an initiation on our part because God already has the invitation. We're living, we're living in famish. We're living in famine. We're not hearing the word. He's speaking. Because we're not taking the invitation to meditate on the word day and night, apply it, being careful to observe what it says so that he can bless us for the very thing we're sitting here praying, please help me in this. And he's saying, please meditate on my word and apply what my word says to your situation so that I can help you. Mark 4, 14 and 15 says this, The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, 
Remember, faith comes by hearing. When they hear, Satan comes when? The next week? In an hour? In a year from now? No, he comes immediately. When you hear, when, when God sows a word into your heart, Satan comes immediately. Immediate. Satan's right behind that thing. You got a word? Great. I got something to you, too. And takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So you're saying Satan can come in my heart and take a word? Yes, he is. Scripture says, I hide thy word in my heart, O Lord. Thy word I hide in my heart. Well, how does this work if Satan can come as soon as I get a word? How does this happen that Satan comes and he just rips it out? Remember, God speaks, Satan speaks, but you speak also. And get this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Life and death, I'm showing you how to bring Scripture around together right here, okay? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. I have the power to agree with one or the other whenever I speak. Okay, God is putting seed into our hearts. Of his word, you hear this powerful message from Pastor Nathan. Woo, man, that, woo, hallelujah, I'm jumping, I feel good. But as soon as I walk out the door, Satan immediately grabs that word, rips it out, and begins to say, yeah, but you got all these problems. And then we're like meditating on those problems. Yeah, you're right, I do have to deal with all this. Now I'm going to do this. I just need a nap right now. I just need to eat. Maybe I just need to fill my belly. I think the answer is just food. Maybe a in, in, in nap. You know, that'll be the answer. That'll solve everything, right? What was that we talked about? I, I love to ask people what we talked about and what, what they heard on Sunday. Come Monday or Tuesday, they don't know. Don't have a clue. Because we're not hiding the Word of God in our hearts. And Scripture literally says that as soon as the, we hear a message, maybe it's a cool podcast or your time reading and, and, and spending time with the Lord. Maybe you're there when you get something, but you don't meditate on it. And so immediately you close the Bible, boom, Satan comes and snatches it on out. I got you now. I got you. And Satan comes and tries to, here's what he does. He comes and tries to, to twist the words and provoke emotions. He tries to twist the happenings of life. And, and, and See, God's word didn't work. You spent all that time doing devotion. It didn't work. You shouldn't even do that. You could probably be doing all these other things. You could probably be getting a lot of stuff done so that you could have a better day if you just skip your devotion time. That's Satan. Your thoughts, too. Yeah. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When we get into speak, you speak something and he, Satan begins to speak something actually in opposition to the word of God. And when a situation happens, the abundance of the heart speaks out. What happens is we didn't, God, the reason is God is telling us to meditate on his word. He, when he gives us manna, I mean, I mean the manna from heaven, he gives it to us and we have to meditate on it. We have to make it our own. We have to marinate it. We have to memorize it. We have to hold on to it. We hide it in our hearts. We ponder it. We hold fast to it. And if we don't, Satan's snatching it out. It means I've got to take a little bit of time. I've got to allow God to work inside of me. And whenever I speak anything that doesn't line up with God... When I'm speaking things that aren't life, it's because in the abundance of my heart is really death. And it's because 
Whenever I got a word from God or I heard something that was challenging or something was revelatory to me, I didn't spend time to marinate on it, to let it change me, to let that word read me and confront me in a healthy way so that I change and I live from that place. I'm speaking death. And I'm speaking death over my situations. I'm speaking death over my family. I'm speaking death over my finances. Because in the abundance of heart is death. And God is sitting there constantly trying to give us words. But we're in a famine state of mentality. And we're not willing to hear the words that he's given us. We're not willing to do the work to bring the change. So that the meditations of our heart reflect him. And we're careful to do all that is within his word. So that he can prosper us. And we only want the prosperity. And we want to complain towards the prosperity goal. And it all comes back to us. The invitation's right there. Satan wants to flood us. Satan wants to famish us. But Jesus wants to fill us. Boy, Jesus wants to fill us. 1 Corinthians 2, 13 and 14 says, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And this is exactly why we don't let culture interpret the Bible and tell us what we should be doing and believing and living because natural eyes can't discern spiritual truths. And that's why we need to be in the presence of the Lord so our spiritual eyes can be on and we can discern the spiritual truths and we're letting the Spirit interpret the Spirit. And it takes a little time. It takes a little time to get there. This is, and this is why. Scripture is a spiritual book written by a spiritual being to spiritual beings. It's our job to tap in. Watch as, as Jesus, Jesus begins to teach us about the natural and these spiritual conversations. Look at this, John. Y'all know the story well. John 4, 7-14 says, A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And by the way, that's racism right there. That's, that's racism that was in the scriptures right there. And Jesus was confronting it. He was destroying it right there. He was bridging that gap. And if you're not looking... You won't see it. If you're looking with the natural, you won't see it. You'll just see a man and woman speaking. But naturally, in the spirit, he's breaking racism right there. Jesus, now verse 10 says, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. He says, If, if you just knew who created the universe, if you just knew who I was, if, if, you just, if you just spend a little time with me, if you just let me give you the living water that's going to replenish and prosper and fill every one of your needs and hydrate your dry place, if you just knew, like if you just knew. Now he's talking spiritual while she's talking natural. Look at this. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then... Do you, do you get the living water? 
Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the, the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, him, answered and, and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him, they'll never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up the everlasting life. Man. He's sitting here. This th he's sitting here trying to show her she's having a natural conversation. He's having a spiritual conversation and she's thinking you don't have this is why this is what culture says they read this they well how's he going to get water? He doesn't have anything to draw it with. He doesn't need to. He's got he's talking about a spiritual water and all they've got to do is press in. Spiritual beings see that this is a fountain of life that brings change. Change. By the way, a fountain of water washes from the inside. And oftentimes the world, when we're dealing with natural things, we're trying to cleanse things on the outside. Oh, we're, try, we're working on, when our natural eyes are open, church, yeah. church, when our natural eyes are open, we're trying to fix the outside. But in the spirit, God's working on the inside. And you know the difference. We read the word and let the fountain within each word wash and regenerate us to be renewed. Let me give you... Let me give you another type right here. Ephesians 5, 25, 26 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that, her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Jesus gave himself so that he could wash us. We're the her. We're the her. We're the church. Jesus gave himself so that he could wash us with the word. He gave up his whole life for the purpose of washing you and I, cleansing us of unrighteousness, cleansing us with the word. He, everything that he did on the cross was for this right here. For the effects, the spiritual understandings of his word right here to wash us with the word. He literally committed to you for your sanctification and to bathe you. He just want to give you a bath. And if you're struggling with sin in an area continually, it's because you're not taking a bath. You're not bathing. And many believers are not taking a bath and your life stinks. And you're probably thinking right now, yeah, my life stinks. And I'm giving you the answer because God gave it to us. If you'll just meditate on his word, be careful to observe and apply all that is in it, he'll clean you up. Your life won't stink anymore. There'll be something renewed come out of it. Last week, I asked you to commit to reading the Bible every day for 30 days. This week, I'm asking you, for God's sake, take a bath. <laughs> for God's sake, take a bath. But really, during this series, if you will, just read at least one chapter every day and find one scripture to meditate on that day. That day, I promise you, you will begin to see change yes. in your emotions, yes. in your thoughts, yes. in your relationships, in your interacting, in your marriage, in your children. The way you approach your children will change. If you just apply it, let it be truth in you today, each and every day. I want to pray for you because I know we all need this living water. 
I know we all need this bread. And I know we all need, in the midst of a problem, we need to grab a word and have a word. We need to know when times are tough, when things aren't working out, we need to be able to grab Scripture and say that my God will supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I need to be able to, in the midst of trial and trauma, I need to grab a word and say, nope, take the trauma out, put the Word of God in, and I'm seeing through the paradigm, the lens of what God's Word says right here. We need to be able to. Maybe you have a personal problem, personal need that's been burdening you. Maybe, we, maybe, you, maybe you have something that just, it's just tough. And you need to know that God's going to handle your health situation, your marriage situation. There's a word. There's a word for it. But you've got to go get it. it. It doesn't come easy. But yet it's clear. And you've got to take the initiation. You've got to take it and say, you know what? I'm going to grab that word and I'm going to apply it into my situation because here's what's going on, but here's what God says. And boy, when we begin to lean on the spiritual rock, we will get the spiritual nourishment. We will get the bread. We'll get the water. And then all of a sudden, our perspective on the life's happenings will begin to change. And instead of worry and anxiety and doubt and fear, here comes hope. Here comes perseverance. Here comes the ability to be steadfast in my situation. Here comes, why do, why do they walk with such a level of joy? Why do they walk with a different situation? I know what they're going through because they're leaning on the rock. Matthew 7, 24 says this, Therefore, whoever hears my words, this is Jesus speaking, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came. This is Jesus bringing the Old Testament back to life, saying the floods came, the words of Satan come, but they're built on the rock of Jesus. They're built on Jesus. And when these floods come, these lies of the enemy, these lies from self start to speak, start to declare, start to speak death, because that's what's in the heart. When I get that stuff out of my heart, and I get, I get, I get the foundation of the truth of the Word of God in me, and I'm, I'm settled on a rock, and the floods come, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on that spiritual rock. Boy, who doesn't need that today? I want to pray for you. If you'll just get to that place, because what I want to ask is the one question I always ask, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And boy, just, just receive it as an invitation today. Because I know life has its struggles. I go through struggles. And that's, that's, for me, that's an invitation to find a word because there's a gap. There's a gap in my foundation. There's a gap in the wall of strength because God is a fortress, right? Scripture says God is a fortress. So if there's, if there's trouble and there's trial in my life and I don't know how to handle it, there must, be a, there must be a crack. There must be a breach in this fortress, and that's on me. That's on me. I've got to go search that thing out. In a moment, our altar team is going to be up here. They're, they're here to pray with you. They're here to agree with you. They're here to just celebrate with you. If you need prayer for anything, when they come up, would you just come up and just, just allow them to pray with you, be in agreement with you? That's the Word of God. Father, we just thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you for your blanket of grace. Thank you that you open our eyes to spiritual things. Thank you that you've given us the opportunity 
to rewrite history even now so that we can speak life to the injustice and rewrite it so that justice and righteousness be the example so that the kingdom of God is here and now flowing through us in love. Father, I pray for healing across this room. I pray for a a fresh perspective. And I just pray that you penetrate hearts today. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you.